really trying to live out this idea that God loved us while we were still sinners and sent Jesus to die for us. So if while we were enemies of God, he loved us in such a sacrificial way, then what we're trying to live out in our community is that same kind of love. We don't set uh, we don't set boundaries in terms of who's accepted or not accepted. We don't make judgments about what a person has to be like before they can participate. And we just, we want to do our best and, and no doubt we're imperfect with it, but we, we really try to, we want to and try to do our best to love people the way that God loves them and to create a community that's focused around that kind of love. Welcome to Discipleship Conversations, a Mission Alive podcast with Jeremy Hoover and Stephen Carazel. Welcome, friends, to another episode of Discipleship Conversations. I'm normally here with Jeremy Hoover, but this time Jeremy Hoover is the interviewee. Uh, So in this conversation, I have a guest podcast host. Lisa Vance. Hi, Lisa. How are you doing? Good. Hi. Thank you for including me uh, on this episode. Uh, You had interviewed Kevin and I a few weeks back, and so uh, I've enjoyed getting to talk to Jeremy and Devin. Uh, I met them a couple of years ago uh, when they first were looking at doing church planting, and so this has been a really, really nice time to catch up with them and to hear what God's been doing in their lives. Yeah, that's been really good. I, and I met you in that uh, conversation with you and Kevin. Uh, and if the listeners, if you haven't heard that uh, that episode just yet, I would encourage you to go listen to their story, both uh, parts of the conversation, and see uh, about their hear about their work in Saskatchewan. Did I say that right? Yes. I'm not very I'm not very good at that uh, that term. Although there's I don't know if you know this, uh, Lisa. There's a a group called the Proclaimers a Scottish duo and uh, one of their songs talks about being able to say Saskatchewan without starting to stutter. Okay. Look that up at Proclaimers. Um, Anyway, so Lisa, somewhere in that episode, I think probably off mic or in between the, the, the two parts of the, of the conversation knew that we were going to be interviewing Jeremy soon. And, I think, and Jeremy confirms this, that she said she wanted to to be part of that. Lisa, you're you're not so convinced that that you actually volunteered for that, are you? You know, I don't recall all the details, so I'm just so thankful you invited me along. I've really enjoyed it. Well, I'd say you did it a good job as we uh, talked to part one, and I appreciate your part in that. And part of that is just, as you said, you know Jeremy and Devin from working with them. And I think they'll talk somewhere in either this conversation or the next one about how they met y'all. And a, uh, I think it is this first part right here where they, they met y'all with, uh, in part of the mission live training. Uh, yeah. And it's, and it's exciting too, to me to think about, uh, we're both in Canada. So we have that in common Two mission alive yeah. church plants in Canada. Yeah, I think that's uh, that's really cool. Which uh, and Jeremy refers to in this uh, episode as well, or maybe the next uh, the conversation part two, 
but also with the conversation with Kevin and you uh, that brings together uh, Mission Alive Canada uh, as an organization to work with uh, getting other churches planted in, in Canada. So, so as we talked through in this first part of the conversation, what stood out to you from it? It was great to uh, listen to specifically their journey in uh, coming to the idea of church planting and specifically church planting in Eastern Canada. So it wasn't just a, a quick, um, it wasn't just a quick decision for them. It, you'll hear in his, in their story, uh, how God worked through their situation. And I found that very fascinating and very, you know, confirming that God was persistent with them. That's something that uh, stood out with me as well. Just the intriguing way God brings people to uh, the church plant. I think a lot of the stories we've heard, they're all different. They're all uh, special in a particular way. It's not a linear process it, uh, as, as uh, things that bring you around it. Uh, to th rethink things that you thought you had declined before. So yeah, I like that story as well. The thing that stood out to me was uh, the name of their their church, Love First Church. Uh, I know that comes a bit from a supporting uh, church in North Atlanta, uh, but it's, it has a has a message, uh, and I, I like the way they talk about the message and the way it comes across to. The, the neighbors that they have, the people that they're serving as a way of invitation uh, into, uh, into the ministry. So with, uh, with that, let's get to the interviews. We're here with Jeremy and Devin Hoover, uh, and uh, Lisa and I will be talking to them. Jeremy, you're on the other side of the mic uh, this time, and I'm not sure how you feel about that. You want to speak just a little bit how it feels being interviewed instead of being the interviewer? Yeah, it's a little bit different, but I've been uh, looking forward to it. We've had some really good conversations at this point that I'm, I, I was a part of helping to interview, and I'm looking forward to being on the other side here and getting to share our story. All right, and that's, uh, that's really good. It's also good to have Devin with us. Uh, first time I've seen her, talked to her, and glad to have you, Devin. Uh, why don't just the two of us just start us off? by telling us a little bit about who you are, where you live, what you like to do. Yeah. Um, Jeremy and Devin, we've got two kids. Uh, you guys have heard a little bit about them as we were trying to get started here with the, with the actual interview. Our son, Abbott, and a daughter, Isabel. And we've lived in Sarnia, Ontario now for just over two years. And we moved here in July of 2019 to begin the Love First Church. And our work is, uh, well, I'll get to that coming up here. But um, in terms of hobbies, uh, we like to spend a lot of time outside uh, in both in our backyard on our deck, but also out for hikes when we can get out for them. We go to the beach a lot. There's a really nice beach here in Sarnia on Lake Huron, and we do that quite a bit. Uh, what would you add? 
Yep, just spending time uh, as a family together outdoors. We have a new puppy, so getting her lots of exercise is important. Mm -hmm. And uh, we've been homeschooling since we moved here. So um, just exploring different things, different field trips, you know, and since we're living in a new area, just getting to know uh, our area better. Very good. So you moved to Sarnia specifically to uh, plant a church. Uh, Y'all were in other places before this. Yeah. Uh, so what, tell us about what that move and what you're doing there in Sarnia. Yeah, I had worked with traditional brick and mortar churches for 15-ish uh, years uh, for the previous 12 or 13 years as the preacher in medium smallish churches in Michigan and uh, I enjoyed the work and felt like I was gifted for it but I was often frustrated that we couldn't capture a missional imagination in the churches that that we were with uh, evangelism and outreach were given lip service but we weren't really serious about them and it was difficult to get people thinking outside of what they were used to when they would come to church. And so uh, I had known Todd vote for several years and we talked probably once a quarter or so. And one of those times he said to me, Hey, by the way, I've got this thing that's on my desk about a possible church plant in Sarnia. And I said, okay, send it my way and I'll take a look at it. And uh, he sent it and I, I looked it over and shared it with Devin. And at the time we had a couple of other things possibly going on. And it just, I, I don't think either of us connected with it at first. And we had to go and check out these other opportunities and uh, just didn't feel called to them. And probably about a year later, Todd, again, in a conversation said, by the way, that Sarnia thing's still on my desk. And uh, I said, well, send it over again and we'll take a look. And even though it was exactly the same document, that second time through, it felt like a brand new thing. And we were really captivated by the potential with it and talked to Todd some, and he connected us with, uh, with the North Atlanta Church of Christ, who had been spending summers in Sarnia for about 10 years, investing for a week or two at a time. Uh, running summer camps for the kids on on a street called Kathleen Avenue. Uh, Kathleen Avenue is a uh, primarily that area is uh, county owned government subsidized housing. And so North Atlanta was investing in that community and they wanted to invest further by sending a church planter in who could uh, who could serve the people there. And so Todd connected us with them and we came up in the fall of 2018 to do a survey visit with Todd and a couple members from the North Atlanta church and our family. And we toured the city. We talked about the mission. We went to Kathleen Avenue we, and we loved it. We wanted to move forward from, uh, from that moment. And so kind of a long process but it finally came together and we moved in 2019 to work uh, in Sarnia, primarily with folks on Kathleen Avenue. Uh, we, we were also 
hopeful of planting new churches in cities throughout southwestern Ontario. And while that's still part of the vision and the mandate, it got frustrated quite a bit by the COVID-19 pandemic, of course, uh, with all of the lockdowns and things that happened in Ontario. But uh, but the church plant is so far primarily on Kathleen. Uh, we work with the folks down there. We do different things. Um, we've done summer kids camps the last two summers. We gather with some of the adults for a Bible study. We're starting uh, this fall upcoming here, a Sunday evening dinner church. And uh, we're pretty excited about what we've been able to do and what we're hopeful to yet do. Uh, that's really good. So your primary work is with kids or adults or the whole the whole family unit or uh, just whoever shows up? How do you uh, reach out in that neighborhood? Yeah, it's been difficult. And uh, Devin might have more to say about this, but it's it, a lot of it's been contextual. We, I think initially, well, when we first came, um, some things happened that set the tone for uh, what we were able to do. Uh, kind of the, the cat got out of the bag, so to speak. And folks were being told that I'm here to be their pastor. I'm here to start a church for them, which um, it was a positive and a negative. It was a positive in the sense that we were able to do some early things, some early church services in the field on Kathleen Avenue, uh, some early Bible studies. And folks came out because I think there was a lot of excitement about what, like, what does this mean? But then we also came to learn that the people in Kathleen uh, had not asked for a church and didn't feel compelled to participate in one that they hadn't asked for. And so uh, we had a couple of months of early excitement and then it, it petered out kind of unexpectedly, I guess, but, uh, but it made sense. And so we began taking stabs at different things at that point. So we, what we found was there was always a lot of energy and excitement for activities that involve kids. And we found that the people on Kathleen, uh, even if they're skeptical or suspicious of a religious organization, seem to appreciate when people show an interest in the kids. And so we've tried to focus our efforts around what, what can we do for the kids? And so we've done these day camps. Uh, the Bible study that we have is, is mostly adults. The dinner church that we're going to be starting is going to be family oriented. Uh, so we're trying a little bit of everything. I, I think we're still in a phase of trying to figure out what works. Uh, so we're throwing a lot of stuff against the wall and seeing what sticks. One of the things that I have learned immensely during the pandemic is from, is from Brian Sanders and the Tampa underground and it's a concept called pivoting. And uh, it's the idea that you try something and even if you fail at it, that failure is not a problem. Failure just gives you data points that you can learn from. And you take those data points and you pivot to something else. And again, it's like a scientific experiment. You try something, you learn from it, and you continue the process of pivoting. And so I, I would say that's where we're at right now with the church plan. I'm, I'm proud of what we've accomplished to this point. I think we've got a long way to go, but I think we're comfortable saying that we're in a process of pivoting. 
your church is called or your, your work is called uh, Love First. What can you tell us about that, that name? Uh, where does that come from? The concept is uh, because, you know, God first loved us. So we love anyone who wants to have a conversation and accept them without judgment. Um, yeah, I mean, that's, yeah. that's right on. It's, <laughs> it's uh, we really trying to live out this idea that God loved us while we were still sinners and sent Jesus to die for us. So if while we were enemies of God, he loved us in such a sacrificial way, then what we're trying to live out in our community is that same kind of love. We don't set, uh, we don't set boundaries in terms of who's accepted or not accepted. We don't make judgments about what a person has to be like before they can participate. And we just, we want to do our best and, and no doubt we're imperfect with it, but we, we really try to, we want to and try to do our best to love people the way that God loves them and to create a community that's focused around that kind of love. That's really good. How are people responding to that? Well, that's a good question. I, uh, so I'll say two things about that. One is that early on we, and I picked this up from folks on Kathleen, they began talking about our gatherings as no judgment zones. And I got the sense from them as I listened that it was important to be able to go to a place and not feel as though they had to be, they had to play a part. They had to play a particular role. Uh, it, it seems as though, uh, and, and I want to make, I want to be clear that I'm not saying this with any kind of criticism, but it seemed as though their experience was that churches would come to Kathleen Avenue with kind of a bait and switch approach. They would do something for the folks down there so that there would be a result. And that result might be, you'll come to our church, you'll send our kids to the Sunday school, uh, you'll do the thing that we want you to do, whatever that might be. And, and so when we were trying to gather people and they began talking about that no judgment zone, it seemed as though they, they were appreciative that they could, they could come and be themselves and that that was okay. And so we, uh, we've tried to really focus on that going forward and, uh, not having the kind of expectations that other groups have had. Yeah. Just having an open set of that, like, just, just please come, just please participate. It, it doesn't matter what happened last night in your household, just come and be part of what we're doing today. That's good. So you talked a little bit about the kind of logistics of how you ended up in Sarnia. Uh, but one of the things we've been asking in this interviews is how, how did listening to God play a role in this? Uh, you kind of said, you know, something didn't feel right. Uh, that kind of, it didn't connect. How would you say just the process of listening to God happened that led you to Sarnia? For me, I don't think things happen by accident. And I always look for God's hand in things. And when, when Jeremy told me that Todd reached out to him to ask if we would consider, you know, thinking about coming to Sarnia, 
Um, I think you thought that I wouldn't be interested, you know, moving countries and all of that. Um, but I said, you know, if this is what God has planned, let's, who are we to say no? If this is what he has planned for us, it's not up to us. So I said, let's, let's, you know, hear what there is about this opportunity. We had always wanted to do something different, but we thought it would be later on in our life and possibly in retirement, actually, to come to Canada and do something. Um, so to just have that wake up call that this could be happening much sooner than you thought it would. Um, you know, it's like, okay, we've really got to pray about this and really see if this is where God is leading right now. Yeah, because I think there have been this sense that we had had this, this discomfort uh, in the traditional ministries that we had been in, not that we, not that we were uncomfortable there, but just this notion that we wanted more than what we were getting out of that experience, that, that God was calling us to more of a relational kind of ministry and more of a, uh, of an outreach based ministry than what we were able to do in those places. And that's not to imply that any of those places were, were not being faithful to what, uh, to what they felt God was calling them to be, but we had been looking for more than what was there. And I, I like how Devin said that that we were probably thinking that was going to happen later in life. Uh, I had wanted to come back to Ontario for some time and just believed it was, it was not going to happen. In fact, um, after I, I remember after I told Todd when he showed me the Sarnia thing that first time and I got back to him and told him, I, I didn't think it was for us. I remember being deeply disappointed with that because I, I believed that was probably going to be my last chance before retirement to come back to Ontario. And uh, so it was interesting the way that it, it developed it. It was almost as though um, God said, you know, <laughs> you thought you were saying no to this, but I'm going to, I'm going to make sure you get where I want you to go. Good. Sounds like you both kind of came to the idea close to the same time. Is that correct? Yeah, like, I, th mm -hmm. I think so. I think we were uh, not, not in total agreement for a while, but like we were moving in the same direction on it, I think. Okay, so I wonder if you could comment on, like you've talked a bit about um, coming to that decision to come to Canada. Was there a process that led you there and how did you involve the kids in that decision? Well, part of the, part of the process and at the time, I found this frustrating, but in hindsight, I think it was good. Like the time between when Todd brought it up to me for the second time. So when we began getting a little more serious about it and the time in which we finally finalized things with North Atlanta and were able to make plans to begin moving was probably nine or 10 months, maybe even a year. And so, uh, so there were, there were a couple of months in between our, our first meeting 
with folks from North Atlanta until we did that survey trip in Sarnia. And then many, many months passed where there were more conversations and then months, a couple months would go by where we wouldn't hear anything. And uh, Todd would keep me motivated there as I was uh, getting antsy about not hearing things. And, uh, and so I think in hindsight, that was good uh, because it gave both of us space to really think it through, really pray about it, really talk about, is, are, are we going to do this? really dream about what could be and so that we didn't we didn't feel rushed it wasn't uh it wasn't anything that we had to decide in just two or three weeks whether we were going to do this and so i i think that it gave us space to talk and uh and that and to listen to god uh individually and then share what we were learning together and um i i don't know i mean how i don't we we struggled with how to involve the kids. And I know, I know you'll have more to say about this, but uh, because they were young and, uh, and we were fearful about if we talked too much about it, what they might say at church before we were ready for folks to hear. And so uh, why don't you share a little more about our process with the kids? Well, we didn't tell them till uh, we made the decision. <laughs> and remind me how old were they at the time when all this was happening? So Abbott would have been like, yeah, yeah. So too young to keep a secret. Right. And where we lived before we were right around the two hour mark from uh, driving distance from his folks and from my dad. So um, it were the same distance here. So we figured that that was going to be e really easy for them to understand. We're not going to be any further away from your grandparents and uh, friends. So we can come back and visit and, you know, because we're, we're literally right over the Michigan border where we're at right now. Um, but then, of course, COVID hit and we haven't seen anybody. We actually just saw my dad for the first time in a year and a half a couple of weeks ago. So um, it's just been a real world world whirlwind excuse me because they can't understand you know the this length of time that it's taken right um but they were excited they they remember the visit when we came here to uh meet some people on kathleen and to see the area they were excited for the beach and our daughter was very excited. And the only thing she had to say was, could she pack her stuffies? <laughs> she wanted to make sure all her stuffies could come to Canada. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They, they were sad uh, that they would be leaving behind friends, but they, it, that felt, it, it felt good to us that they, uh, that they were very open to it and, uh, and they've done very well here, I think, since, since we have moved. Mm -hmm. Did they, did they also, were they also homeschooled in Michigan? So no. that was, that was another change for them. They changed countries and they changed mm -hmm. how they schooled. I always wanted to homeschool, but when uh, our son was old enough to start school, our daughter was, you know, climbing the walls and getting literally <laughs> getting into everything. So I didn't figure it was a good time to try that. And then we moved and Abbott had, uh, he ended up falling off his bike um, over the handlebars and had 
a major concussion. So we, we were coming back from a training trip with the Birchfields and turned my phone on when our plane landed. And it's my dad, you know, so we're in the hot, we have to go to the hospital two nights in Peds ICU with a major concussion. And that was our deciding factor to homeschool because school was starting in just a couple of days from when that happened. And he was having headaches and, and some issues with that. So we figured it was best to keep them home at least that in the beginning so that he wouldn't get behind. And then it ended up being a blessing in disguise because, um, you know, they would have had to meet a lot of people, get used to a new school system, and then be just be pulled home again and had to do virtual. Um, so we've You're just talking been, about because the school's closed. Yeah, COVID. because of yeah. COVID. Yeah. So uh, because we were already homeschooling, we just, you know, it, it was just a consistent school year for us. Right. Great. So with you guys spending a lot of time together, um, now, how is everybody in the family involved in the church plant? Yeah, I think that that's been helpful because it uh, it's led us, like I've really appreciated it because everything that we've done for the most part has been family oriented. Uh, it, it's It's been very different than like when I would go off to an office for eight days or, or eight hours a day or so. Uh, not eight days in a row, but eight, eight hours a day or so. And I'd have appointments and meetings with uh, different people. And then I'd come home and uh, the, if the kids were up, up the walls after school, then Devin was stressed as soon as I came home and we had to worry about getting dinner together. Uh, this has been nice because in the middle of the afternoon, if we're going to go and have a, a, a meet some people at the park, the, the whole family can go. Um, I've been able to take Abbott with me, our son, from time to time when I've met with other other men to do different things. So he's able to tag along and see what I do. Um, it's it, it's families on Kathleen Avenue have gotten to meet us as a family instead of just Jeremy being down there or instead of just Devin going down because one of us has had to stay stay home for different reasons. So uh, so it, it's it's been it's been good, I think. I think it's, uh, and again, that's, it's nothing that we, that we planned. It's just circumstances led us to decide to do the homeschooling. And then we've been able to find a lot of benefit for the church plant in that, in ways that have allowed us to be a family on ministry and not, uh, not just Jeremy doing ministry. That's awesome. Yeah, and it's, it's not just, uh, it's like, it's not a job. You know, yeah. it's not something yeah. that you go to, like, this is what our family does. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's really good. That's awesome. Good. So just shifting gears a little and talking about mission alive. Um, there's kind of a couple of areas to look at. How has mission alive helped you discern and be equipped for church planting? Yeah, I'll, I'll start. And Devin can add, um, I, I'm very thankful for Mission Alive's influence uh, in my life and now in our lives. Uh, I have been associated with them probably for a decade or so. I, I did a 
discipleship cohort with Galen Van Reenen back when they were still called huddles. Um, and I've just, and then Todd took an interest in me and we became friends and had regular calls, uh, back when he, again, when he began showing me the Sarnia stuff, he, he sent me a short document on discernment that he had and encouraged me to find a couple of other, uh, people that would walk through a 30 day discernment process with me. And, uh, so I did, I asked a few other minister friends to do that and, and, uh, so from the very beginning, he, he, he coached me. He was open. Um, he gave me that discernment process to walk through. Uh, Mission Alive facilitated the relationship between us and North Atlanta. They, they uh, helped North Atlanta walk through different phases of what it means to think about church planting and hire a church planter. Uh, they they did our assessment of course that we that's where we met you lisa we went to regina for that assessment retreat uh still gives us nightmares uh <laughs> it was it was a lot of fun and we loved being there but it was stressful but it was really good and i think to this day there's still there's a lot of things that that came up in that that i i pay attention to about uh about our relationship about um, uh, ways that I have to pay attention to taking care of myself. So I don't, so I don't dive into, to taking on way too much. Um, and then, and then through that, there, there was, uh, the training that I had afterwards. And I've just come upon completing the two years of coaching that was part of the, uh, part of the initial, agreement with mission alive. And so it's, it, they have been, they truly, they've been partners. It's not been me feeling like, uh, Oh, they're interfering in what I'm doing or they're, they're asking too much. It's, it's been a true partnership and I'm really appreciative and thankful for what they've done for us. Yeah. The support has been really great. And, you know, the friendships that we're developing through the, the people uh, like Todd that were, um, in connection with. And I think, yeah, going back to the assessment retreat, um, my word for that was intense. <laughs> There's no uh, preparation for what we experienced, but yet it was so good to dig deep in yourself and in your relationship um, to prep you for this kind of ministry. Good. I like that. Dig deep, <laughs> a deep dive. <laughs> mm -hmm. Okay, good. And is there anything you wanted to comment about, um, you know, now as, as you've been there a couple of years, uh, the process of how they're helping you now, Mission Alive, is, is there any resources that they're, you know, in this ongoing phase that they're assisting you with? Yeah, um, I did coaching with Steve Schaefer for two years, and that was uh, really helpful. And it, in fact, it's, it's going to be ongoing. I just need to set up a new plan with him for that. Uh, Steve's a, a tremendous coach who's helped me clarify uh, my thinking. He's helped me clarify what I'm learning as I talk to people and uh, to make plans based on, on all of that. He's, he's encouraged me 
when I felt discouraged by different things. Uh, I, I, I continue to talk to Todd fairly regularly. Um, I, I'm excited about kind of the next phase, I think, that's coming up, which involves, uh, we talked, uh, I think, a little bit about this with when we interviewed you and Kevin, but about Mission Alive Canada. Uh, now, that, now that Mission Alive has sponsored two church plants in Canada, Todd wanted to to expand Mission Alive's reach. And so he's, he's looked to Kevin to help lead Mission Alive Canada, and I'm involved in that. And so I'm excited about seeing where that goes and uh, continuing our relationship with Mission Alive. Devin's been involved a little bit with, uh, with Candace's uh, Mission Alive project for, for business women. I, I can't remember what that was called. I believe it's mission 813. Um, so we've had a couple calls. She, she's been trying to do quarterly uh, Zoom calls where um, I was the first uh, church planter that was interviewed on the first one, which was um, last November. And then we had one a few months ago. And um it's for women business owners who want to get more involved in missions and how they can help. And their goal is to raise a certain amount of money through their, you know, donating through their businesses to, um, to Mission Alive to help support church planters. That's really, that's really interesting. It's just the, um, I'd seen that in their newsletter as well, that Candace had had looked at that and kind of getting the voice of some of the women and their experiences is it sounds really great that you've contributed to that oh we've been talking with jeremy and devin hoover in uh, part one of our conversation with them thank you so much for uh, just sharing a bit of your journey where you are your journey there and how that's been going We'll wrap this up and then we'll look forward to part two coming in a couple of weeks. Thanks for listening to this discipleship conversation. We invite you to share this episode and tune in next time for another conversation. We also invite you to subscribe and rate the podcast through your favorite podcast app. We'd love to hear from you. Send your comments and questions to media at missionalive.org. Check out the episode show notes and learn more about the podcast and other Mission Alive media resources at missionalive.org media. Intro and outro music is by audionautics.com. Mission Alive works to bring about the holistic transformation of marginalized communities through starting and renewing innovative churches that address the most challenging issues faced by their neighbors. Learn more about what we do and how to connect at missionalive.org.